0: something that resilience isn't about going back to the thing, how things were, or, or bouncing back or going back to the way we were doing things. And so I think there's a lot of people and you might be listening to this right now and going, well, I'm just going to wait until things get back to normal or I can get back to what I was doing. There is no going back. Mm -hmm. Resilience is about moving forward. It's about choosing the courage to live the life you've always dreamed of,
1: and no matter what your circumstances are. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Live Boldly Podcast with Sarah Shelton Cranz. This is an inspiring podcast for those seeking proven ways of healing, growing, and transcending their lives. I am a legendary leader in healing, acclaimed author, keynote, and TEDx speaker, a mom, an adventurer, and a believer in all things possible my mission is to guide others to live their life boldly regardless of circumstances i believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled happy lives recorded from the trail or in my office every other week i share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard you will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me are you ready let's do this
2: so i flew in two days early to sedona And these girls, without ever having met me, drove from Phoenix to Sedona to pick me up in cars. And we all met and we drove to the South Rim together. But while we are in Sedona, Kelly needed a hat because she didn't have like a hat with a visor, right? So we were on a quest to get Kelly a hat and I walked by a store and I saw this dress hanging up and I couldn't get, walked past it, couldn't get my head off of it, walked back. Everyone came back with me and I just, on a whim, bought a dress on my way to hiking the Grand Canyon, bought this dress, right? And for whatever reason, I was called to buy the dress. And I didn't really have a great reason because I didn't need a dress like that, but I just needed to buy that. So that night, we talked about it, told Sarah, she's like, bring the dress into the canyon. I was like planning on just kind of keeping it in the car. And so that was the first call moment where I just could not get the dress out of my head and it had to come to the canyon with us. So. That dress ended up being like the talisman of our trip, you know, where every one of us wore it and had our breakthrough moments in it, a lot of us, you know, wearing that dress. So that was one huge moment that I had to say yes to something that was a completely outside of what would, could be considered normal, right? To, to, to buy a dress on your way to hike the Grand Canyon.
1: Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Libby Podcast with Sarah Schulting Kranz. Today I have on a very special guest. Amberly Lago is a peak performance coach, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and a leading expert in the field of resilience and transformation. She's the best-selling author of *True Grit and Grace* and the founder of Unstoppable Life Mastermind. Through her book, coaching methods, and masterminds, she has curated unique tools to teach others how to tap into their superpower of resilience and elevate their lives and businesses. Amberly has most recently been featured on NBC's The Today Show, The Doctors, Hallmark, and featured in magazines such as Shape, Fit Pregnancy, Yahoo, Forbes, USA Today, LA Style, Health Magazine, Keynote Speaker Magazine, and Disability Magazine. Grab your journals. Amberly has been through so many life-changing, life-altering experiences, and I wanted to share this with you because her resilience, her motivation, her empowerment, her inspiration, for us to step into our most best lives as well. This is something that I am so passionate about and I really wanted to, just so blessed to have her on as a guest. So not only listen to it once, listen to it twice, three times, go share it with your community, tag me. Let's get the word out as we are continuing to grow this incredible podcast. Because the more that we grow, the more guests that I get to bring to all of you as well. Before we dive into the conversation, I want to remind you that we are ending our Grand Canyon retreats, which is a real sad occasion for me because these are my signature retreats, people. They include three months of deep weekly coaching along with a one-on-one session with me and a five or six day retreat within the Grand Canyon. We hike down in, we spend either two or three nights down there, we hike out. It is such a life-changing experience of growing, healing, personal development, and really finding or becoming that human that you were intended to be all along. I developed these off of my own trauma and my own experiences, and I'm really sad to see them end. We have two left in January. One is co-ed, one is all women. Message me, sarah at sarahsheldonkranz.com. Let's see if it's the right fit for you or go into my website and also take a look SarahShiltonKrans.com you can also sign up from our newsletter and that will keep you in the know for all future events such as speaking we are still going to be running a water healing retreat every year I, I believe this year it's either going to be Alaska kayaking next to the glaciers or the another river that I am really diving into and trying to decide if that's what I want to do with all of you We will also be doing some land healing retreats. We are doing one with Florence Williams in the San Juan Mountains this July as well. We did it this last year. It was incredible. Cannot wait to bring that back to all of you um, for your own healing, growing, learning, and all the things. So let's dive into this uh, podcast. And once again, go grab your journals, take notes. Please share it. Please subscribe. Go into all of our uh, beautiful platforms that you can find us on and let's get the word out. Enjoy this episode and we will see you again next week. All right. I have been interviewing some amazing humans recently. And I am so honored and pleased to have Amberly Lago. So go grab your journals because this episode is going to be all about motivation, resilience, starting again. Some people say starting over. I like to stay starting again and what it is to to really lift yourself back up again into a space of gratitude for living. I am excited to have you here.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for having me. And you look gorgeous with that, the ray of light shining in on
1: you. My mama, thank you. It's amazing. You. It's so angelic. Thank you. She is. She's very angelic. She, thank you. I appreciate that. I have been following your journey. So there are people, I didn't tell you this before we jumped into recording. There have been people on my journey that I have been following mentors, right? Which with people not even realizing that you are a mentor for another person. I think that we all need that in life. Um, I think that there are so many people where they're like, I want to be a mentor for the teenage girls coming up, which is awesome. Of course we do. There are also people that we need as women, men starting again to look up to, right. We need that. And to say, okay, they're blazing trails. I'm following, I'm watching, I'm listening, because I'm also blazing trails for other people. And so you've been one of those people for me. So thank you oh. for getting into this work. Isn't that just like, thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: yeah. Yes. you are so Absolutely. kind. I had no idea. That means so much. I mean, thanks okay. for saying that. Because, you know, behind the scenes, it can be a, a lot of grit a lot of work um and a lot of remembering why it is you do what you do because there's there's a lot going on and um just to have some kind words from you um or like messages that I get DMs on Instagram or something man that just really fuels my fire to keep
1: to keep going so I appreciate you thank you you're welcome thank you Thank you. It's, you know, I I think you're 50, right? I asked you this before we got on, um, and I'm 49. And uh, And you look amazing, by the way. You look like you're in your 20s. No joke. My happiness. Though I have to tell you, I woke with a few bags under my eyes because I've been watching so many games of my children and doing a lot of traveling. So, you know, it happens. I, but it's so funny.
0: I was just with a client and because we just, we literally just moved our house, my office, my daughter's 10 fish aquariums. That was a feat. And I was like, yeah, I got this. I'm not tired. I can do it. I can keep going. And And then I just told one of my clients, I was like, oh my gosh, I woke up today and my face was like melted off. Like what happened? Like where'd these wrinkles and bags
1: come from? So I I feel you on that, but no, you look amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's uh, this whole starting again space, right? Like the resilience, the motivation, which is what we're going to be really diving into how we pick ourselves back up, the story behind the scenes that people don't actually even see or hear. Uh, And yet we do need to share those because that is where we have this common space, right? With other people also going through it. So I want you to dive into you. Who is Amberley? Tell us a little bit about your story uh, and what got you to this space right here.
0: Uh, Well, thank you. You know, I've had to really... completely reinvent myself, what I do, who, who I am, because I really lost myself, um, 12 years ago. Um, I was saying before we push record, you know, I, so we just moved and I've been in, you know, just moving boxes and doing this and doing that. And then I would like, go coach some clients on, on zoom, then go back to moving and stuff. And it's just been crazy. And last night for the first time, I sat, we have these really cozy little hammocks in the backyard and my 12, my 14 year old said, mama, come sit out here with me. And I sat down and I just stopped for a moment. And I looked at our brand new, beautiful house and what we had. And I just had this wave of, it still gets me emotional, just gratitude for what, I have because my gosh, it was, you know, when my, my oldest daughter, when she was a year old, I was a single mom. And I remember moving into this tiny one bedroom apartment and we had like a side table that wasn't, it was like a little side table. I had a futon mattress and I had a crib. And that's it. And I was living on Top Ramen, like praying that I still could get diapers and, you know, praying like, where's our food going to come from? And I built this incredible fitness business from the ground up and was really thriving, was able as a single mom to buy our first house. Then I met my husband, who I'm married to now. We had a baby and I was really kind of, I know it doesn't sound like I uh, lived in California, but I originally from Texas, but I lived in California for 31 years and I had really built everything up and was the main breadwinner. And I thought, gosh, life is, Like I struggled for, you know, so long building and working hard and I had this great business. And now I've got the man of my dreams. We had another baby and everything changed in the blink of an eye. And I got hit by an SUV while riding my motorcycle. And I think, you know... some of you are like, Oh, I can't relate to that. You know, I I've, I've never been hit by an SUV, but I feel like in the past couple of years, we've all been hit by some. And for me, in that moment, I remember laying in the street and looking down at my leg and it was completely crumbled into pieces. And one of my first thoughts was, Oh gosh, this can't be good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. Like I was already thinking, How am I gonna, how am I gonna do the next thing, how am I going to train my clients? How am I going to keep that roof over my head? How am I going to pay the bill? That's my that my my default and go-to was what can I do next? I had no idea just how serious it was. My femoral artery was severed. Luckily, I had a guy run over, ripped off his belt, and he made a tourniquet on my leg right away. He saved my life because I could have bled out right there. Right. Um, rushed to the hospital. Um, It was pretty chaotic in the hospital. My husband, he's retired now, but he was lieutenant commander with a California highway patrol and news travels fast and the brotherhood and sisterhood of the police force. And so the whole ER was filled with cops and it was just chaotic and this crying, like wailing. And I was like, what is that? It was my husband. I had never seen him cry. He's this big, tough guy, never seen him cry. And I thought, oh my gosh, I might be dying. He needs to get it together. Like, and I yelled across the ER. I was like, or the hospital room. I was like, honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me. And that's the last thing I remember before they put me in induced coma. And my thought was again, like, I need to know that he's going to pull it together to take care of our kids. And when I woke up out of a coma, They told me I had a 1% chance of saving my leg from amputation, that it was basically a war wound, there was nothing they could do for me, and they were going to, you know, they had to amputate. And I was like, well, wait a minute, you said there's a 1% chance. I was like, well, I'm going to find a doctor who's willing to take that chance with me. Let me tell you, it took an act of God. It took so many prayers. It took my husband calling in every kind of favor you could imagine to get to doctors at Cedars that would get me transferred. And I got transferred and months in the hospital and 34 surgeries later, they were able to save my leg. But that's when the real journey began of having to figure out who am I? Because my whole identity was wrapped up in what I could provide, what I did for a living. My whole life, I was a professional dancer. And then in the fitness industry, I was doing infomercials. I was sponsored by Nike. I mean, my whole life was fitness and my drug of choice was running. And that was all taken away in the blink of an eye. I ended up being out of work for a year and a half. I went down a dark dark path of trying every kind of treatment to get out of pain because they diagnosed me with complex regional pain syndrome. And at this point, I was still like gritting it out. I was still like, man, I'm an athlete. I can do this. I can get back to doing what I was doing. And I realized something, that resilience isn't about going back to the thing, how things were, or or bouncing back, or going back to the way we were doing things. And so I think there's a lot of people, and you might be listening to this right now and going, well, I'm just going to wait until things get back to normal, or I can get back to what I was doing. There is no going back. Mm-hmm. Resilience is about moving forward. It's about choosing the courage to live the life you've always dreamed of, and no matter what your circumstances are. And so... With a diagnosis of this incurable nerve disease, with a scarred up deformed leg, being out of work for a year and a half, I really had to do a lot of diving deep, deep, deep to love myself again, because I hated myself. I hated the way I looked. I was embarrassed of the way I looked and all my scars. Um, I ended up, you know, I, I realized that I had some horrible coping mechanisms um it was so hard dealing with the shame and the pain and the despair that i started drinking every day so i went from being this athlete to becoming an alcohol an alcoholic and uh the hardest thing i've ever done harder and scarier than any surgery i've ever had was really taking a good hard look at myself and going This cannot be the rest of my life. I've got to be, there's got to be more. You know, my daughters deserve a better mom. My husband deserves a better wife. And um, I think that by the grace of God, because I got on my knees and I prayed for help, that gave me the courage that I needed and took all the courage that I could muster up to go reach out and ask for help. And I think that when we take a good, hard look at our life and we go, okay, <laughs> this is not working for me. And sometimes it's just as simple as asking a question, how's that working for you? Is that hurting me or is it helping me? Everything we do is either moving us forward or it's holding us back. It's either destroying our health or it is making us more vibrant and, and you know, moving us forward and being becoming more resilient. And I had to admit that I had a problem. I had no control over it. I asked for help. And I want to share that the first person I asked for help, because I knew she was sober, she's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. I'm going to take you to be around some women in recovery. I didn't hear back from her for about a week. And at that point, I wanted to die, but I was too scared to die but i just didn't even want to continue living and i thought i need help right now and i actually googled like 12 step programs and i found a reco- like i found a 12 step program to go to while my daughter was in school and my husband was at work cuz i went from sneaking my drinking to all of a sudden i was sneaking going to get recovery hmm. and um that was 2016 i got sober and It took a lot of therapy. It took a lot of reading books. It took a lot of tears. I mean, I think I cried every day for the first year because all these feelings I was stuffing down, I was now letting rise up and actually dealing with them. And um, I started to rebuild my life. And um, I want to share with anybody that, you know, it's never too late. I started writing my book, I think, when I was about 44, I published my book, True Grit and Grace, when I was 46. It became a best-selling book, and it launched on the Today Show. I then was asked to do a TED Talk. Since then, I've been on stage with some of the most incredible speakers in the world, like Mel Robbins and Jay Shetty and Ed Milet. and And that all came about by first taking a good hard look at my life, and myself and what I was doing and what was working for me and what wasn't working. And then holding the vision that I wanted for my life, because, you know, I had a doctor tell me you'll, you'll be in a wheelchair forever. You'll never work again. And I thought that's just not the, the life that I imagined for myself. So I think that if you can hold this vision And then you work every day, even if it's small baby steps towards what you want, that anything is possible. And I'm here to say, if I can write a book when I didn't even own a computer, five years ago, I didn't even own a computer. I hand wrote, I keep, I I love old school notebooks. I have one right here. I I hand wrote 90% of my book and I had a lot of people saying, You're the fitness girl. You can't write. You don't even have a computer. You know, you don't have a college degree. You need to stick to fitness. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this. And every day I committed to writing. And then I think that when you remember your why. Yes. And you do take that action every day that anything is possible. So I just share that, that I think that something like 81% of people want to write a book or more. There are 81% of people want to write a book. 1% of the people actually do it. And I'm here to say, if you're listening and you're like, God, I've got a book in me. I want to write a book. Do it. If I can do it without even owning a computer, I had to buy a laptop and type it up, found a publisher that was willing to do it. But it did take commitment. It did take some grit and it did take some perseverance. And I'm not saying it was easy, but it's possible.
1: I, I, I'm either so many different avenues that I want to dive into. There's so that was a long oh, answer. I'm sorry. No, that was a it was long. a perfect answer because I'm sitting here listening to you, which I know my listeners are simply a version of me, right? Like that's, that's it. We're all mirrors for one another. And so if I'm sitting here listening to you and saying, Oh my gosh, I totally get that. I totally understand that. I, I, your everything happened for you 12 years ago how old were you when this happened i was 38
0: when i had the most successful career and it was like the rug was just ripped out from underneath me i mean i had just filmed a fitness video the day before and you know i remember sitting at this little this little diner and telling my husband oh i they want me to go do this fitness video I don't know, my gosh, I'm so, I'm booked with clients today. I got to do this training for my other trainers. And I was like, no, I said I was going to do it. I'm going to go do it. I am so grateful that I went and I got to do that fitness video. And it put everything in perspective. You know, our health is the most important thing. Without our health, we can't enjoy any other stuff, you know. But I will say, I think the reason I was so emotional last night in the hammock, it was because I have started over with absolutely nothing from, you know, the time I was little and I worked my butt off to, to become a professional dancer and then started over when I gave up my dance career and started in my fitness professional, then had to start over again at 38. And so, you know, it's it's the ups and downs and there's always going to be people that say, oh, you'll never do it or you can't do that. Or if you're anything like me, I, I doubt myself sometimes. And that's when I'm like, okay, why am I doing this? I need a little bit of uh, a pick me up. Remember why I started. Remember why I'm doing this. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I just think that if somebody like me can do these things and then buy this house for my family, then anything's possible.
1: Did you, I want to go back, if you don't mind, to you being in the hospital. So I interviewed Sean Enton yesterday. Uh, He his happened at 39. He had a stroke and he and I dove into this because my, everything happened to me at 40. And it seems to be the people that I'm interviewing right now are, it's in that age, right? And now he's 50. You're 50. I'm 49. It's in that gap. So did you have a moment where you where it was like a light went on a resilient moment perhaps it was when you were in the hospital maybe it was when you know right after the accident maybe it was way down the line uh, when you were drinking where you just thought okay this this is like a moment of uh, where where everything clicked where you had complete alignment of mind, heart, spirit, soul, body of this is, this is my shift. This is my moment. This is when I am going to take that step. That's going to launch me. And I don't really know how the hell it's going to look. I don't really know what it's going to be like. And I know that where I'm at right now, it cannot stay this way. Yeah. And I you think it, internal faith where maybe you had that faith. Cause it sounds to me like you also have faith within yourself. Am I correct? Yeah.
0: I had, I think so. Like I, I was, you know, believe it or not like when I was like a freaking soldier in the hospital I was doing everything I could to stay strong mentally physically spiritually I mean the doctors thought I was crazy because I was like I'm gonna need a pull-up bar installed over my hospital bed one of the trainers at the gym brought me some dumbbells so I was keeping I was like eating as clean as you possibly could, because if my blood sugar levels got over 125, they would give me insulin. And I didn't want to take any drugs, any, I just wanted to try to to heal as best as I I could. So I was eating the best. I had a a refrigerator in my hospital room and I had friends bringing me organic food. Um, And I was also still being of service to keep my mind right. So I was still reaching out to clients. I was still... I was giving the nurses exercise tips in, from the hospital bed. Yes. I was doing exercise plans and nutrition plans from the hospital. So how I was staying strong um, mentally was to go be of service to others and to journal and write down what I was grateful for. That kept me mentally like, okay, I'm going to be Okay. The gratitude helped me focus on what I could do and what I did have instead of, oh, crap, is this the day they're going to amputate my leg? What if I die? What if I'll never walk again? What if I can't chase after my kids? So the gratitude really saved me. Spiritually, very close connection to my higher power, which I call God. And um, so all, all the things financially, my husband was taking care of financial stuff, which by the way, um, he, we learned this the hard way. He didn't have access to my bank account. We had separate accounts and he couldn't pay the bills and he couldn't access my account. So when I was a coma in a coma, he was like, crap, I can't pay the bills. So we had to like, that was a eye-opening moment as soon as I got out of the hospital, like we built a family trust and all of that. But all these things I was doing and I was doing pretty well, it was when I got out of the hospital that I really hit my rock bottom. And I think the reason why is I started drinking to self-medicate numb. And I feel like when you're doing something like that, you lose your connection or the connection to your higher powers, a little bit hazy, a little bit fuzzy, kind of block, you numb everything out. You numb yourself and the good and the bad. You're just, I was a zombie and my the moment when i had the most clarity of this is what i'm going to do is when i did get sober in the moment that i still had that little i don't think our i think we all have that light within us mm-hmm. and um it's up to us to find ways to make it shine brighter and for me i really needed to get my my spiritual connection back and i don't think it's just to be resilient is just to be resilient emotionally, or physically, uh, or financially, it's spiritually, it's in every way. And I think that it's up to us to actually work on those things every day. And so the moment that it was for me when I got clear, and when I got sober, and I thought all of this couldn't have happened for just no reason. Like, I feel like if I write a book, my intention is maybe it will help someone else and prevent them from ever going down as low as I was where I didn't want to live anymore. So my intention was if I can just write this book for one person and give them the hope and the inspiration that they can get through hard things, that's what I'm gonna do. And so I just there were moments that I'll be like, oh, who cares? Who cares about you know this? And I thought. No, I can turn pain to purpose if I write this book and I help someone. So that was really my moment of, I want to do this. But I think also it was, I had to look at, you know, I tried to go back to training clients. And I was killing myself. I was in so much pain. But I was trying hard to go back to training client after client after client. And at first, I even thought, "Who's going to want to train with me?" I'm on, I'm in a wheelchair, now I'm on crutches, now I'm limping. I felt so broken. To my surprise, my clientele boomed, and the reason was is they saw me in the gym, no excuses, working my ass off, getting better, never giving up, and they thought, "Well, my gosh, if she can do it, and she can learn to walk again." I don't have any excuses. I want to train her. I know she knows how it feels to get back on your feet again and to get in shape again and to claim your resilience and your health again. And so I start when I realized, though, that it was really hard on me physically training the clients. Um, I thought, well, how can I still serve people and help people? but in a way that I'm not killing myself. And so that's when I got into coaching clients where I actually get to sit or stand or sit or stand. So I think it's important to ask yourself, like, what brings you joy? What lights you up um, when you think about it? And I also think that a lot of times what we enjoyed doing, like when we were eight or nine years old, Mm -hmm. really, like... It's Uh, related to what we do later in life. Do you feel that
1: way? Oh, girl, full circle. Hell yeah. I mean, when I went through my trauma, now mine, you know, when I talked to Sean uh, and I also interviewed, uh, I've been interviewing a lot of just amazing humans that have been through physical, right? Like the physical uh, pain and, and different things that have happened to them. The physical trauma, my trauma, you can't see. You can't see my trauma. My trauma is inside. My trauma is complex PTSD that almost took my life, which I do want to dive in with you as well. It's a different, it's a different yet same, right? Like it's it's the thing though that is really interesting about my trauma and what you're talking about is I went into the mountains. I went into nature. I went out of the ocean. I went places that I could feel right the transformation happening in a different kind of way. It was healing from the inside out. Right, and so that's where I found my pure alignment with self. That's where I went into the space of this pain cannot simply stay here. It needs to have purpose as well. All of this needs to get transformed in order to help other people. I used to be a teacher. I went back to that. Why? What, what was what brought me joy? What brought me joy was actually teaching kids. I knew though, that at some point I wanted to bring this to the, to adults and inspire and empower and share what I've learned with other people so that they, as adults don't have to stay in the space of their own pain. I will say though, what you just said is exactly for me also was key was what brought you joy as a younger version of you. And when I was a little girl, I loved going out into the Hills. I I remember that like going out and playing and, and just having those creative moments and, and bringing myself so much joy. Right. And so I think that that's what we lose along the way as adults is what was it for you as a child, right? Where, where did you have your happy moments as a child? And we lose that childlike sense. So that's what I wrote about in my book. Go back to that, go back to what you, who you were as a child, as a kid, because we weren't afraid of failure either right? Like you just tried anything. You didn't care. Oh yeah. And you know, I loved... I'll try writing a book. I don't own a computer, but I'll still try doing it and look
2: Mm -hmm. at what this did.
0: Yeah. And I I love that you said that because yeah, I I thought what brought me joy was I loved dancing. And every Friday night I would, after the football game, I don't know why my mom let me do this, but I would hang out with the high schoolers and I would stand on the table at the Dairy Queen with the jukebox going and dance. And the reason I loved it is I could see it just brought joy to everybody. Like they yes. smiled, they clapped, they got up and danced with me. And yes. I could see the light bulb come up on in them. like it just it. And so that brought me joy. And, you know, I did this, I was speaking at this one event And I, they played music when I was going up on stage and I went on stage and I started dancing and I didn't plan on doing that, but I was just dance before my talk, I started dancing. And, uh, I had somebody that I was working with say, you know, you really shouldn't dance, um, on stage. Like that's not really good for corporate. And I'm like, that's what brings me joy. And it's not like I planned on, let me plan this potter kickball change dance. It was like, I got everybody up out of their seats dancing and it was joyous and incredible. And it's what I love doing. And so I'm like, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to change what brings me joy just because it doesn't fit in your mold of what I should do. Yeah. And I think that that's something that we all have to ask ourselves. It's like, What do we really want to do? What brings you joy? What does your, and I I love that you, I love going into nature too. That's where I am closest to God. It's where I find myself as well. Um, And anytime like I'm, I'm in the thick of it, like I can get caught in this like little bubble of emails and Zooms and all these things. And then, you know, my daughter will say, mom, come on, let's just go outside for a walk. And as soon as I go outside, I'm like, oh, I can breathe. I remember it shifts my perspective. I remember what's really important. I think about, you know, I call it the walk of gratitude, where I I think about what I'm grateful for. I really say positive affirmations. And I mean, last night, I declared it. I was like, I am going to wake up today, and I am going to feel better, and I'm going to be able to get out of bed, and I'm not going to have as much pain. And lo and behold, I was like an amen. And guess what? I woke up today, I was more refreshed. I could walk better than I could in a few days. And so I think it's so important that we really connect to ourselves and really what we say to ourselves. And I've learned to really talk to myself instead of listen to myself, because I will have the inner critic come up and say some awful things like I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy I'm ugly, like all the mean things. But if I talk to myself and say, you are vibrant, you are healthy, you are going to wake up stronger and refreshed and you're not going to be in pain. It's like, wow. It's amazing what how the the power that words have.
1: Well, and how interesting that here I am starting this whole episode with I've been watching you and you've been giving me so much inspiration. And yet we are the hardest on ourselves. We are oh, so hard on ourselves. boy. I can I am so hard on myself. Oh, I know. I feel the same way. (laughs) I hear you.
0: Oh, so hard on myself. And I don't say things like, I really don't say things out. I mean, sometimes something might slip, but I don't ever do things like, I don't say it in front of my daughter. Like I don't say, oh, I feel so old or look at the bags under my eyes or like, I don't do those things. I try to really keep it real, Mm -hmm. but say positive things and let her know, you know, that, yeah, we all struggle some days. But um, the whole inner critic thing, man, it's like, I got to get out of my head and stay in my heart a lot of times because I can be mean to myself.
1: That's exactly what I guide clients to because that's that's what we do when we're out in nature. We, we drop out of our head and we drop into our heart. Mm-hmm. A beautiful thing. I want to dive into, did you have a moment where you just thought, I just, I want to escape this. I just want to be done. I just want to, I just, I'm I'm out. I just want to take my life. I'm finished. This is too much for me. Did you ever have that?
0: Oh, yeah. I, and you know what? I think it's more common than... That's
1: why I asked this question. Than, than not. Exactly why I asked this question. Because I think that, unfortunately, it's something that uh, just some across the board, I hear this from people where I ask that and they're like, actually, I did. Thank you for being honest and sharing that because I did too. I had that. Mm-hmm. Would you mind diving into it? No, I mean, it was, um,
0: it was uh, back when I was at my lowest point. I, now I had tried, we, you know, had so much medical debt. I was out of work, so I wasn't being of service. I had tried, you know, Eastern, Western medicine. I had a spinal stimulator I had ketamine infusions. I was at, on 73 homeopathic pills and 11 different prescription medications and nothing was working. And so I just quit taking everything, trying anything. It was like our bank account was completely drained. We had borrowed money from friends. Um, you know, a lot of stress financially, the stress it put on our marriage as well um and so i was just like screw this i i realized drinking wine kind of helped the nerve pain and it also kind of helped me stuff down those feelings and that worked until it didn't mm. and There was that moment where I thought, how did a good girl like me end up like this? Like I was the go-getter of the family. I was the breadwinner. I was the successful one. And now look at me, living out of a bottle. And at that moment, that's when my daughters, I'm so thankful that I thought of them. And I thought, you know what? Well, first of all, I didn't have the guts to kill like I, I was thinking of it, but I I was too scared to to take my own life. I was like, but I was like, I just would kind of pray that I wouldn't wake up. Mm-hmm. And um and I thought there's got to be a better way. And my daughters are what pulled me through is thinking about them. And I think it's really important for people to have some sort of purpose, something that they can focus on and to ask for help. That was so hard for me. But when I admitted that I needed help and I reached out and I asked for help is when my life started to change.
1: Yeah. I had this, I had a similar situation where it was, it scared me that I got to that point. It actually, it actually, and I don't get afraid of stuff. So, I mean, I do, but obviously we all have fears but that was my moment of, oh my gosh, this is what it's come to. This is, this is bad. And that's when I did reach out as well and got help because mm-hmm. it was just too much. It was just, it, some things are just too much. You have to have the courage and the bravery to step out of that space and say, I need help. help. Yeah. What is your biggest motivator in life? My
0: biggest motivator? <sighs> motivator. I, well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not always motivated. In fact, a lot of times I really have to rely on my healthy habits and I call it smart feet to get me <laughs> to do the things that I'm, I need to do. I mean, for, I'll give you an example. So the moment I wake up every day and I take one step, my first step, I'm immediately in pain. And my inner critic starts talking and saying, see, you do suck. You can't do it. I don't know how you're going to get through this day. You're old. Maybe you should just give up. Like this is too hard. Like that. Those are the thoughts that go through my head. Then I think, no, I am doing this. I have people who are relying on me. I want to make a difference. I want to be the example of the victor of my life and not the victim. I want my daughters to know what it means to be resilient. I'm going to do this. And then I wake up and I go straight to get my water, drink my water, take my supplements for my gut health. I put my gym clothes on. I still have my gym clothes on now. I move my body. I say my prayers. I write down what I'm gra- grateful for. In fact, I have a community of, um, well, I say community. It's a small group of friends. We call each other the God squad. And we we write each other every single day, 10 things we're grateful for. And now we use an app and we just type in 10 things we're grateful for. And you push a button and it sends it.
2: Wow. And
0: so I I read a little bit. I write a little bit. I always move my body because that's what moves my mood. And so a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I'll, I will actually drive to the gym and go, I'll sit in my car and start scrolling through Instagram. And I'll be like, God, I don't feel like doing this. And I'll think, you know what? There was a time when I could not even drive to the gym. I get to drive here. I get to work out and the reason i'm working out is because i know it's going to make me feel better mentally it's going to make me stronger physically it's going to give me more energy it's going to release endorphins which combat pain i'm going to have less pain so i'm like this is why i do it but um i think that my motivation comes from when i really tap into why i'm doing what i do you know and then the other things are I just don't rely on motivation. I rely on these non-negotiables, these habits that I've built for myself. And a lot of people might be sitting here going, God, that's a lot of work to drink your water, take your supplements, do your journaling, read your spiritual books, pray, work out all the things. But guess what? It's the only thing that keeps me mentally, physically, spiritually in every way the best that i can be the healthiest that i can be and if i i'm only my impact is only as strong as i am healthy and if i can't stay healthy mentally and physically then i don't get to do the things that i love to do i don't get to have the relationships that i'm so blessed to have i don't get to provide this home for my family and so it's a doing all these things is a heck of a lot easier than a life of misery because i've had both
1: Amen, sister. (laughs) Amen. Well, and I think that too, you coming back to, which we talked about earlier was getting to know yourself. You had to go full circle into getting to know yourself. And that is a part of getting to know yourself. And just because you get to know yourself once doesn't mean that you can't or shouldn't get to know yourself over and over and over again, which is what those practices do for you. They continue to get to know this new version of you that's why yeah. mountains that's why i go out and do my 10 to 7 to 22 day trek every year it's to get to know myself more how do you get to know yourself unless you actually also learn about you right and so that's how you do it which is beautiful
0: yeah and i think you know we have to figure out what works for us now yes. i would love to incorporate more meditation um but you know i think it's just as important for me to have a little nightly routine or ritual i like to call it cuz it just feels better when i say ritual but to set up my day for success the next day i think starts with the night before and so at night i even you know crawl in bed with my daughter and i'm like what's the best thing that happened to you today and what's one thing that you're grateful for and a lot of times she answers something completely silly or outrageous. I'm not going to lie, but at least it's getting her in the practice of focusing on the good and what she does have and what she can do, you know, and the wins for the day.
1: That's amazing. You're such a good mom.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I, maybe you should ask my daughters, but you know what? I have such being a mom is the the best thing that I've ever, ever done. It's my favorite thing in the world. I My daughters are amazing. I mean, to have an older daughter that's in Yale, she's going to Yale, she's studying medicine. And my younger daughter is a horseback rider and fearless and imports exotic fish from like Indonesia and with wow. her own money. She has her own business. She's a little entrepreneur. I mean, I'm just, I couldn't be prouder. And my daughters just, they mean the world to me. And we have so much fun together. And so when I say they're like my, they're my biggest inspirations, they really are.
1: So we only have a couple of minutes, but I want to I want to pull something full circle with you, which is, you know, I was a young mom at 17 and had to find my resilience and and really a lot of motivation back then to move, you know, into college and to do all of that stuff. What I'm hearing from you is that your resilience, your motivation started way longer, way before this happened, right? Like as a single mom, you had to have a lot of resilience. What I want to ask you though, is do you remember your first moment of resilience in your life? that first moment where you had to pick yourself back up as the youngest child, youngest version of you.
0: Mm, I would say it was it. My journey with learning about resilience and grit, um, started at a very young age and at eight years old is when I started, um, getting sexually abused by my stepfather. And by the time I was like 13, 14, um, I, I had had enough, and I mean, it's it was always enough, but when you're that little, you're scared. Um, he told me that he would kill my mom if I told anybody, and I believed him, but by the time I got to be a teenager, I told my dad, and I said, Dad, you got to promise you're not going to tell anybody, but this is what's going on, and it was a cry for help, and I said, don't tell anybody because I was afraid he was going to kill mom, but it was really like, please help me. And um, my dad didn't do anything. And it was at that moment that I realized a couple of things. First of all, I felt like unworthy. Sorry. That was my daughter calling me. <laughs> Sorry. We love kids. We love kids. and I thought this was on Do Not Disturb. Oh, I think if she calls twice, it breaks through. So that's
1: what it was. Um they're on my favorites list. Um but, uh, they belong, by the way. So is mine. That's the mine, mine, mine actually, my my children are too on my favorite list. And they literally put themselves in as my favorite son. So I have a few of them, so they all <laughs> yeah. So keep going. Um, Oh, but
0: so when I didn't get help, I thought I'm not worthy of help. Mm. I'm not important enough to save or to stick up for or to love, like all those feelings came up. And then I thought, I've got to help myself. And it's up to me to protect myself and do something about it. So the next time my stepfather came into my room... I kicked him and I punched him as hard as I could and I fought him off and the look on his face was shocked. It's kind of like a big bully that you finally stand up to and you realize that they're like this coward, basically. And that was the last time he ever laid a hand on me. Now, after that, he would do things that would, you know, emotionally, like he would try to get to me psychologically he would do things and say things to make me cry. And then he'd laugh at me and say, see, I knew it. I could, I knew I could make you cry. And so for a long time, I stopped crying. That was my defense to not let him get the best of me. So I became, I get, you know, I got into Krav Maga, I got into boxing. I became an incredible athlete. I placed first in the state. I set a record for running the fastest mile in the state of Texas So I focused on the things that I could do that made me feel better, stronger, and more resilient. And I worked four jobs, saved up as much money as I could, which was $1,200. And I knew when as soon as I graduated high school, I was out of there and I was going to go pursue my dreams as a professional dancer. And so I think that's the moment that I really thought I'm going to take care of myself. Um, Nobody was going to do it for me. And in a way, I'm glad that I had those moments because if I had been babied my whole life, I don't know if it came time, you know, when I couldn't even move my leg and I couldn't even stand up for months at a time, if I would have known how to fight so hard to learn to walk again and then build the life that I've had.
1: Your story is so beautiful
0: Oh, thank you. I know it's like some dark moments in there, but I just want others to know that, like, I used to have so much shame about it, you know, so much shame. I didn't talk about it, I didn't tell anybody about it. But with a lot of therapy and books, and I remember going to a therapist and saying, she goes, were you sexually abused? And I'm like, oh yeah, but I've dealt with that. I've I've read books. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't need to talk about that. And she goes, No, I don't think you have. And it was like, oh wow. And there are so many layers of healing that we kind of get to and work on. And I don't, I don't know. I think we're for me anyway, I'm constantly as you do learn on, learn about yourself, but I'm constantly healing things and thinking, well, why, why was that triggered? That's weird. What do I need to work on there? You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, uh, I was, I was just on a podcast recently and Dr. Mark Goldston do you know him? Oh, he's amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's such an incredible psychiatrist. I was on his podcast and he asked me one question and it just like cracked my heart into this new space and I thought okay and I was super real raw vulnerable on this podcast episode and uh yeah you'll want to listen to it it'll what, actually what was the question was what are you running from and what are you running towards and I've been asked that before oh I've been asked that before many times I've been asked that before and I'm sure you probably at some point in your life may have been as well because Oh, I ran. That's an incredible question because
0: I realized after my motorcycle accident, I ran my whole life from trauma and pain. So I didn't want to deal with it. So I ran.
1: Here's the thing. I've never, I'm, I'm, I'm an embracer. So I embrace it. I heal. I sit with it. I go through it. I don't throw anything under the rug. I speak about it. I share it. I feel, I use it as inspiration to become, not to hold back. The difference is that there was this one version of me at 17 where I still had, have, am working through, where she also, when I was sexually assaulted, when I was raped, where she still has not uh, been held mm-hmm. in, a, in a space of pure love, innocence, compassion. And it's not that I haven't held her. Mm-hmm. It's that there are still these versions of self Mm. To go back and hold even more tenderly with understanding and, 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 uh, and gratitude for her. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a question that I've been asked several, several times, but just struck differently. It just, I heard it differently. I listened differently. And, uh, and so I, I'm so blessed and honored to have you on because your story is one of pure truth, pure inspiration and pure hope. The three things that uh, I that I truly walk in, share and love. Uh and I know that we only have a moment left and and I'm just grateful for your time. So could you Well,
0: you're you're amazing. I oh, so appreciate you. you and your beautiful thank heart. And you know, it's just such an honor to be here in your story and all that you've overcome is incredible.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We are all blazing trails for one another. I say this all Mm -hmm. the time. It's all it is. It's all it is. It's a beautiful thing. It's not all, it's everything is what Mm -hmm. it is. Uh,
0: I hope that I can go up a mountain with you someday. Oh
1: girl, let's do it. I was just, I was up one Sunday night. We went up and watched the sunset on top of Mount Baldy. It was the most real thing. It was beautiful. And then we ate dinner on top. We walked down underneath the stars and the moon and yeah, it was beautiful. Come out! Oh, amazing! Oh, yeah. that's amazing! Any, anytime, I would. And I,
0: everything I, that I you it. have put together is incredible. Like, yeah, I'm Thank really you. impressed and inspired by you.
1: Thank you. I'm diving into speaking more, which is really exciting. I love that. It's just really fun. It's a why not? That's always my my version of like. That's those are my words. Why not? Why not? I mean, you know, Uh, it's, you know
0: what, for me, it's fun when I actually get up to do it. The moments leading up to speaking, I get like, oh my gosh, like I have a talk um, this Saturday night, I'm speaking at a big fundraiser and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's my daughter. <laughs> if the house is on fire or what? I don't know, but I gotta change something with that. You gotta check that. <laughs> um, yes, I think that's her saying there must be some sort of emergency. So <laughs> oh, we'll get you off. We'll get you. Off. Oh my gosh, gotta- my goodness. But no, I get I still get nervous about speaking. And then I'm like, well, I, I have to remember this is not about me. This is about the people I serve. And then I'm like, oh, okay.
1: Well, and, and, and I think that there's this beautiful space of look at the impact, right? Like, look at the impact you've been, you've done, you've prepared yourself. It is what it is. So where can people find you? Uh, Yes. You know what?
0: Uh, I think it might be helpful if I give your listeners something that they can, I have a downloadable playbook and it's how to thrive how to get through anything and thrive and if you just text the word grit g-r-i-t and just that word to 818-214-7378 it will give you that free downloadable playbook and then that's really me like texting back personally tell me you heard the podcast and and, and reach out. I love to connect. That's my favorite thing about this whole entire journey is connecting with others. And, and so, yeah, you can reach out to me or you can find um, me at amberleelago.com, motivation on Instagram um, or
1: com. I think that's about it. Yeah. I love it. And you're gonna find us on a mountain one of these days, very soon. Yes, yes. To to Texas, though, sorry, you gotta to have to come out to, the, you to come back out to California where they have mountains. <laughs> I that's what I miss the
0: most from California, my friends in the mountains. Well, come on out, let's go do one. I love it. I am thank serious.
1: You here. thank you for coming on. Thank
0: I you love. so much. I appreciate you. I could talk to you all day. Absolutely, but your
1: daughter is calling, so. <laughs>
0: sorry about that. I'm like, I told you, I just set up my office and I'm like, maybe I forgot to turn off the do not
1: disturb children. Thank you for being here. Thank you. My friends, thank you for listening to the live boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love to invite you over to sarahscheltencrans.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to survivor. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who may need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you. And as I always say, I believe in you, us, always. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death